The Allison Richards joined us today and to hear a story of a leader who builds confidence, who is her authentic self in how she shows up. She challenges the status quo. She has an underlying expectation of excellence, not perfection, and delivers feedback in a way that makes people want to do better. My conversation with Allison today was truly inspirational. Take a listen, understand why building a network is so important, and you definitely don't want to miss this conversation. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. This is Kara Kirsch. I am the host of the Ignite Women in Insurance and Business podcast. And it's Friday. The sun is shining. We are experiencing quite a heat wave in Nebraska. It's 50 degrees. For those of you that are not in Nebraska, you do not understand said heat wave, but we are experiencing it nonetheless. I am beyond excited today. Because I have a very, very special guest with me, Allison Richards, and we are just going to talk about the journey, the excitement, the lessons learned, all the things. So good morning, Allison. Good morning. How are you this morning? I am fantastic. I am fantastic. What's it like in Chicago today? It is absolutely weather like you were just talking about. We've got clouds, but we are going to have a high of 50 and no snow on the ground. It was like freezing two weeks ago. I just can't believe this weather. It's unbelievable. I know. I know. It's well, and I don't know about you, but when it in the fall, when it goes from 70 to 50, I'm like, where's my jacket? But in the (laughs) winter when I'm like, oh, it went from minus 20 to 40. Ooh, heat wave. I'm wearing shorts. Um and my kids too. So, uh, let's just back this bus up a little bit, um, and talk a little bit. I want to say something before we do. I am from a small town, which, you know, and, um, there were some girls that were below me in, um, like three grades that I hang out with now as adults. And they call me the Kara Kirsch. (laughs) And I think about that because you are the Allison Richards. Oh, Wow. I mean, you are everything. I'm so excited about this discussion today because, I mean, I got to give you a lot of credit for who I am because you shaped greatness and I'm so grateful. So tell us about yourself personally first. Sure. Well, thanks for those uh, accolades and compliments, but I think it's a two-way street, right? In the sense of how we we think about the person, but it takes a lot of hard work on both sides. So thank you for that, Kara. A little bit about me, you know, I... um, I grew up in, in Sacramento, California, so I'm born and raised as a Californian. And through my career, I've moved a variety of times and have now ended up for the last 20 plus years in the Chicagoland area and have the fabulous opportunity of raising my three children in the Midwest. I've got a son who is 27, a daughter who's 22, and another daughter who is 19. And I've been married for almost, well, 29 years this year. Wow. So, uh, fabulous uh, time here and a career with United Healthcare for over 25 years now. Awesome. Awesome. Are you an empty nester now? 
Uh, no, we have uh, <laughs> we have the revolving door going. So um, son son came back and he's working and doing some stuff there. My middle daughter is still at college and my youngest is at college as well. So yeah. We're in that, that stage where kind of the doors go and then they come back in and they're going to go back out again. Yep. The boomerang. <laughs> the boomerang. That's a great way to describe it. I like Yeah. It. Yeah. The boomerang. I've had it. I mean, I have the boomerang still also. Um, and my kids are very close in age to yours. My daughter's 26. My son's 22. And Sean is 20. So yeah. our kids are really close in age. Um, and your husband... Um, you know, I always, I have such good memories of just hearing about him as a partner to you and, you know, tell us a little bit about him. Cause he's, uh, there's some England, English yep, stuff there. British. So talk about that. So Gavin, um, is British and, uh, actually came over to the United States about 31 years ago <clears throat> and, Part of his background, uh, his parents were actually pastors in the Salvation Army over in England. And I think part of if as we kind of kind of go through this conversation, there's linkages there where we actually met. He and I met working with children at a uh, camp during the summer. And that's how we ended up meeting doing I was doing some lifeguard work and he was doing some uh, actually running the camp. And that's how we ended up connecting dots that way um, through all of this. And it was fascinating. But besides all of that, he actually did pay, play some semi-pro soccer. Um, if we uh, look at that, because in that genesis is why all three of my children actually have been really good uh, soccer players. And both my daughters have had scholarships for soccer because of that. So it's an interesting, you know, dance as you think about your partners, where they came from and the support that uh, Gavin has given me specifically over the years to do a lot of the things I've been able to do. So it's uh it's been a great relationship. It's in uh, a kind of a marriage that goes in all different types of directions. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great. So our journey as women together began in 2007. So I can't believe it's that long ago, but um, I remember it well. So I was at United Healthcare and I worked in the local market in Nebraska and Iowa, and I was ready for something bigger and so I applied to move into national accounts. I don't know if you knew this, but I applied three times. I was rejected twice. <laughs> and the third time was when I was invited to come to Chicago and interview with you and one of our other colleagues, Craig. And, um, you know, you may not know this, but at the time, you know, I didn't even know which Chicago airport to fly into, for God's sakes. So I was really taking a leap of faith in, okay, is this going to be a good move for me? Is this really what I want? But I remember that day really well and the lunch that we had and how enamored I was as a young professional in watching you, watching you move. You know, how you moved is what I wanted to replicate. And you breathed greatness into me. And that's something that this podcast is really all about is who are the people that shape us and how can we share those stories so that others can shape more people, especially women. 
And so what was it that you saw? And also, what did others see in you that allowed you to see that in me? Because it had to have been a learned behavior. Someone had to have seen something in you and you were able to replicate that and see something in me. So I'll start with, um, first of all, you know, taking a look over the years and how you look at, at, at talent for me is always looking at it through different lenses. I think we as individuals um, tend to think that if somebody's like myself, it's going to be great. I've always had the philosophy is I like to look at where I have opportunities for me as an individual and surround myself with talent and individuals that actually can accentuate those gaps, but even might be better than me down the road, right? My job as a leader in any organization has always been to develop talent and making that happen has happened that way. And that started really from a conversation with a with a, a boss that was, you know, 30 years ago um, that when I came, was t- changing jobs throughout um, moving before I came to United Healthcare and was going through and was eventually going to work for this individual. We were sitting down talking about um, career and what you wanted out of your career. And I said, you know, I, I want to be able to manage people. I don't want to be an individual contributor. I want to be able to develop and manage and take people to the next level. And he said, so, Allison, how do you think you should be doing that? And he gave me this story around how you actually listen and how you actually surround yourself with greatness. So when I go back to you, Kara, and talk about the things that you did and you you say, hey, this is great. This is awesome. Having that conversation with you, it, it was at lunch, and I remember it kind of well in the sense of you had this spark, and you had a spark in the essence of that you wanted to do more, and doing more is easy to help manage, and because it's not, you already have that, what you call inside of you, that you're looking for something different. It's just now creating those pathways in order to make those things type of, uh, that happen, And that's what was exciting about our relationship in the beginning of that relationship is that you sat back and said, I'm excited. I want to do this. I'm thinking about that. You had ideas. You had a vision already starting in your head. And at that point in time, for me and as a leader, I look at that as, okay, this is somebody who you can take and mold in different directions and create opportunities for them to go achieve that greatness. So that was that was what was exciting when you think about to 2005 to where you are now. And I mean, for me, thinking about your career from there, you worked in national accounts. But, you know, the other thing um, I think about uh, as part of your career journey, which was impressive for me, is opportunities you took to take risk. You know, and I know this is me in a little bit of a podcast, but I'd like to hear, um, you know, you you actually have an interesting background yourself when you think about things. And when I look at it, you took some risk and opportunities in your career where you said, hey, I'm going to I am going to take what everything that I've learned now and take some risk and move cross country and do something. How can you just talk a little bit about that? Because I, I want to add some things to that about uh, career and career journeys, because I think it was a fabulous vulnerability for you as an individual, as a, as a mother, 
and thinking about how you were going to take things cross country and do things. Can you want to talk a little bit about sure, that? Sure. Sure. So when I joined United, um, and I don't know if you had an opportunity to listen to the last episode, but Dorinda Card was on. She was the first woman that really breathed life and greatness into me professionally, and I'm so grateful. But when I joined, after I'd been with United for like a year and a half in key accounts, I said, this is my spot. This is where I belong. I finally found a place where I fit in and people are like me and they're okay with me. The grittiness of me. Because I was not super polished then. I was pretty rogue. You know, say whatever's on my mind and do whatever and have to reel it back and have to get talked to and, and, you know, all the things. But I worked hard. I studied up. I got good and I got better. And I remember saying to Dorinda in my second year, I want to be the CEO of United Healthcare Health Plan. That was always my goal. Uh, that was my place. And in that third year in key accounts, I realized that in order to provide for my children, I was going to have to take some risk um, because I grew up a kid with nothing. And so in order to provide for these three beings that were counting on me, I was going to have to take risks. So I joined national accounts and national accounts was an awesome opportunity, but the travel was kicking my ass. And it was really causing strain for my children. So I was happy. I was thriving, but they were not okay. And so I remember reaching out to the CEO of the Nebraska uh, market and saying to him, hey, I want to be the CEO of United Healthcare Health Plan. I have great account experience. What should I do? And he said, well, we know you can take care of clients, but you don't know how to build a network. So like a provider network and you don't know how to sell. And I said, okay. And he said, a CEO needs to know those two things. And I'm like, okay, well, is there anything like that for me in the Midwest where I could stay kind of local, you know, move to Iowa, Des Moines, Kansas City, something. He's like, nope, nothing. So I reached out to a CEO that I have met in national accounts, uh, Dan. And I said, Dan, I want to be the CEO of United Healthcare Health Plan. I need network experience and sales experience. What do you have? He said, interesting timing. I'm moving to Northern California to be the CEO there, and we need someone like you who can sell. And I said, but I've never sold before. And he's like, I'm not concerned. <laughs> <laughs> and so I applied. I was so nervous. I didn't want to let my national accounts people down, but I knew that I had to make a bold move for myself, for my children because I needed to be home. And when I learned about the role, I was like, okay, Northern California. Yeah, that's my jam. I love it there. I had lived there before. Um, I knew if I had to travel, it would be pretty much local. So Fresno North to Sacramento. Um, and I knew that I knew United Healthcare's inner workings where other people didn't know because in national accounts, I got exposed to things like Dirk and other people who helped me understand the system. And I even say today that one of the reasons that I'm successful is because I have a combination of great technical experience and relationship building. And those two things don't come easily to most people. So anyway, fast forward, um, was lucky enough to get the job in Northern California and started and um, I don't know if you knew this statistic, but when I started, there were 27 sales reps in key accounts in Northern Cal in, in the West. So Washington down. And when I got there, the other sales reps were like, oh, you're not going to be able to sell anything. No one knows us. No one loves us. Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, oh, contraire. Maybe you <laughs> haven't met me. And so I started and I ended that first year as the number one sales exec in the West 
with over $100 million in revenue to United. I remember that. And I remember you texting me about that. I mean, I was like, it was amazing. And I got to work with the large consulting firm. So I got to support them in serving their clients. And they were my clients. The better I could make them look, the more I sold. And it was like taking candy from a baby. Because the more I showed up and the more details I taught them so that they could look good with their clients, the more apt they were to call me and say, hey, Kara, I have this client. What do you think about this product United has? Do you know the inner workings of that? And I would say either, yeah, I do, or no, let me get the right person. And I would do that. I mean, I remember early in my United career, one of my largest clients said, hey, Kara, um, we'd like to have Ingenix do a project. You remember when Ingenix was the company before Optum? And they were like, we'd really like them to do something. So I went to my market leader and I said, how do I get Ingenix people? And like, you're never going to get Ingenix people for that size client. It was like a thousand lives, Allison. And I'm like, why? They want Ingenix. Why? So I like dialing, call Ingenix, talk to a guy there, tell him what I need. He's like, yeah, this is great. We can totally help you. And they helped me at no cost to our client. And then fast forward the client and I spoke at a conference in Las Vegas about it. And I remember Bill Tracy, who was the CEO of the Heartland. I went and traveled to Las Vegas, did this thing, never got approval. And then came back with like, you know, my expense, which it wasn't a lot of money, but at the time, you know, every expense is watched. And he was like, who the hell do you think you are? Like, (laughs) who do you think you are just traveling? And I'm like, wait a minute, Bill this is a great thing. And then when I told him, he was like, why didn't you tell more people before you went? Right. Because to me, it wasn't about United. It was about our client that we were serving and had brought all these tremendous resources that the enterprise had. So that's really how it happened. Um, And I had so much fun, so much fun. Well, you know, that story, when you think about all the stuff that you just said, relationships, right? Relationships matter. And that's a tenant of uh, one of the things of my career when I think about it. And um, it is not just about trying to get stuff done and the tactical and technical things and throwing a product portfolio or trying to sell something to an individual that might not make sense, right? You have to develop relationships. You have to develop rapport with individuals. You have to make sure that what you're doing has a purpose, right? In the sense of everything that you bring to the table. And one of the things I I think back in, in your career and the things that you talk about is, which really I was excited about getting to work with you is you had this never give up mentality, right? And when you think about that as a future leader or somebody that's going to have that tenacity to just keep going, those are traits and individuals that even if you don't have it, it's something that you can continue to develop in yourself because that really is core to, to creating that greatness, right? It makes you challenge yourself. It makes you follow dreams that you never thought that you were going to be able to have, right? That's what's exciting. And as part of some of the things that I look at in my career, right, those are some of the things that are really important to me. Relationships, you know, challenging myself as an individual, following dreams that I didn't think I'd ever get to do. And then on the converse side of that, right, 
What do you think about yourself? I, I struggled in my career with kind of that confidence. Think about that, right? Confidence. Oh, I can't get this done. I, you know, you second guess yourself. You start second guessing yourself and all these different types of things. So true story, you know, my two girls, I, I think about as you were sitting there talking, um, you know, being a mom now of, of these two lovely women now starting to grow and, and find their own way. Different times with us growing up in our business and, and the things that go on there. But that role model that you have to set up and and think about them as kids, both of these girls growing up, you know, had that tenacity because they had the sports and all the stuff that that goes with it. But as soon as they start coming up that that ladder and with everything with social media going on and those the, the world that can to make things happen. One of the things that I was always um, as a mom and as a as a leader bringing to the table with these girls was, hey, have confidence in yourself. When somebody's telling you you can't do it, look, find a way to make it happen. Find a way in a positive way to make it happen, right? You know, you can buck the system, but always look for a positive way to get around a corner and think about it a little bit differently. And it was amazing where Lauren, my youngest, just recently came to me. Um, and I'll, I'll stop here in two seconds, but she was in her freshman year here at college going and created this speech and she was in her speech class and this of all three of my children she's the shyest I would say public speaking doesn't like to be doing all of this type of stuff so she said mom I gotta write this speech about myself and I said okay and uh, so she had written it she didn't tell me it was happening so I said do you want to practice and are you able to give notes or stuff like that? So she ended up practicing it. And I, it was one of these mom moments as a uh, proud mom moment, you know what I mean? Where in her speech, she basically said, one of the things I've learned about um, confidence was watching my mom over the last couple of years as she navigated uh, conversations or things that were really difficult and made it look like she was a duck on water. There was a lot of churn going underneath with the pedals going, but she was just floating right along. And she goes, I sometimes saw the turning going underneath, but the people she was talking to never saw the, the all they saw was the duck on the water. That right there, when you think about that from how you actually present and you're kind of giving that down to your children, just kind of like, oh, yes, <laughs> one of those moments. So, yes, anyway. I love that. That is amazing. You said several things here that um, I want to talk. I want to get into a little bit. So, confidence and struggling with confidence as a woman is something that we face in such significant ways. And as a leader. How do you instill confidence? I have some ideas on how you did it for me. And as a mother, how do you do it? So obviously you're doing it because your daughter said it without prompt. And I would believe if I were your daughter, <laughs> you had, and I love people like this who do this, you had an unsaid requirement for excellence. If you're going to show up, you better show up excellent. 
Otherwise, get the hell out of my way. <laughs> Show up excellent or get the hell out of my way. So how do you instill confidence in your team? And as a mom, are there any specific things that you did that instilled confidence in your children? Yeah, so let's go with team first. I think um, part of my philosophy with any of the teams that I've, I've worked with is giving them the autonomy to do their jobs. I, I look at people that uh, I've worked with over the years. You've all been hired to do a job. You're, you didn't get to this point without having the skill set to make things happen, right? And I look at it as if you're, you, you've been asked to go sell, you sell. You know what you're doing in the sales part of it, but you might need a little you know, confidence building when it comes to, hey, I don't know how to do this. How do you make it happen? And so I, I think you got to you got to give enough rope sometimes in the sense for people to find out where their strengths and opportunities are. And our job for me is to really to go around and, and make sure how am I helping with those opportunities? So whether that's a, being a mom or whether that's being in, in business, it's promoting. How do you get, how do you, how do you, to your point, the excellence point of it, you know, if it wasn't excellent, how do you make it excellent next time? You don't take somebody down 10 steps because they made a mistake, right? You don't take and chastise them in public and say, you know, you could have done this better or not done that better. This is all about, even on the soccer field, one of the girls, you know, came off the field and said, that sucked, We, you know, da-da-da-da-da, whatever you wanted to say. This wasn't about that. That's like, okay, well, what, what would you do differently next time, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. How would you actually make this a better outcome? Mm-hmm. And I think those are the, the, besides the excellence component of it, it's self-solving and recognizing that there's always different ways to, to make something excellent, You don't need to sometimes tell people how to do it. You want to make sure you're evolving that thinking so that the recognition is actually happening with that individual or my child so they they recognize it the next time. And that's one of the things I think when I uh, look at it, whether it's in business or it's work or whatever it is, it's, it's taking that opportunity to allow that maturing to continue to happen and, and guiding it along the way. That's Mm -hmm. the fun thing. Yeah, right? I agree. And don't you, th- I think there's a fine line between when we say, I hold myself to a standard of excellence for people to not infer that we mean perfection. I don't mean perfection. 100%. It's messy. The growth, the dream, the path is messy. When 100%. people say to me, Kara, how did you get to here? Right. I say, you have two choices sink or swim. And I swam like hell. So I was that duck, you know? And so I get that analogy. Uh, it hits me right to my core. Now, when you see team members that you give autonomy to and letting them, um, ski sort of without your guidance, at what point are you like, okay, time for a difficult conversation. So let's go back in time to uh, probably about 2008. I joined National Accounts 2007. We retained one of our larger clients here in Nebraska that first year, which was a huge, huge, huge success because we were for sure they were leaving. 
And those folks there are still my friends, just FYI. Sometimes I see them, some of them are retired and sometimes I see them out at coffee. And that was really an opportunity for me to make a difference right here in my community. But there was, it wasn't perfect. It was messy. And there was one particular situation that was real messy and I didn't perform well. And I remember I was in Dallas in the airport and you called me and you said, you know, in pretty direct words, cause that's one thing I also love about you is you're very direct. You screwed up. <laughs> and so how do you deliver feedback that's direct without bursting someone's confidence because I didn't feel unconfident after I talked to you. I actually felt like I let you down and I never wanted to disappoint you because I admired you so much. You were this, you know, woman that I strive to be like. And so talk to me about how you deliver feedback, but don't squash confidence. That is a, it's an art science and a balancing act, I would say. Um, for me, it, it, do, it has to start with you have to know your people and you have to know what drives individuals and everybody's different, right? Um, for me, I think it always being my authentic self has been something that I have from a career perspective has um, I'm proud of. And part of authenticity is also being able to, to deliver and have that relationship with people that allows you to have those direct conversations, right? At the same time, I probably said, hey, you screwed up. I probably said, but, and how, how are we, we going to go recover from it? You also did this great. You also did this great. I think if we just tweak this and we move in this direction, we're going to make things happen. You know, it's all how it's done. And I think when I, when I, it's all about words too. And for me, you know, using the and instead of the but sometimes, right? So, hey, Kara, you did a great job, but what does that, that entail to you? You're already getting ready for the hammer to come in and, and the nail instead of, hey, Kara, and, right? You think about it from that perspective of the things that are going on. So I think authenticity and knowing people know that you'll be direct, but it's not a personal. This is about getting better, right? And we all we all have bad days. We all have great days. And as long as the balance is you're you're giving the credit for all the great days that are happening and also giving amazing feedback of how you get better when the bad days happen and it's a balance it's it's a great place to be mm-hmm. that's how i like to roll mhm authenticity that is one thing i will say your goal is it and you're doing it because never did i question who you were i always knew who you were even when you got food poisoning and almost missed a flight to Miami. <laughs> so I always knew who you were and, you know, you never hid, hid the woman that you were. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why I was, you know, having a bromance with you. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, you've participated in the past in the Ignite conference. You were on our panel a few years ago. And, you know, 
sharing your story and lessons learned for our listeners is a really important component of this discussion because I believe that just because I may have had an experience that wasn't awesome, that the world is ready for people like me to have awesome experiences, but I want to teach them how to go about that. So at this place in my career, I know that you cannot go guns a-blazing to get your point across. You have to ask questions and listen and get people to sort of think it was their idea that what happened wasn't good. Um. And, you know, I think about that in terms of the lessons that I've learned in my career that have made me better and how I've shared those stories with other people so that they don't have to go through it. Mm -hmm. So how are you helping to shape the future generation? You know, you get to do it at home because you have two daughters. I have a daughter too, and I know that's not easy, but it's so fun and so rewarding when we see it. But how do you do that? What are the... um, How are you uh, intentional about that? So in, you know, what we've already heard about my family and the girls, and I'm very intentional about, you know, thinking about ways that continue to prop them up and, and do the things that they do. But from a business perspective, I spend a lot of time right now, probably 20% of my job, 20 to 25% of my job. And that's a lot when you think about it is spent in conversations of not only mentoring, but sponsorship. Right. And I, I do that very much so because of, you know, where I am, number one in my career. And number two, we still, when I think about how many women are not in the C-suite, how many women do not have that CEO title in corporate America and how many women don't have the confidence right now to get there or how to balance being, you know, a mother or a, uh, a leader or a partner in raising families, no matter where they are, it's that balance, right? So I, I spend a, a tremendous amount of time really thinking about it. And I have, um, we have a couple of different things within the company that I work for right now. Um, which is we have pods uh, as an executive leader that I will be assigned to and working with individuals that are just either coming into the company or not coming into the company. I happen to work in a very exciting part of the company right now where there is a lot of young leaders coming in and thinking about their careers and asking those questions. And one of the number one things, especially if you're in a large company, is how do you start networking? right? Networking is huge. And it goes to relationships, right, that we talked about earlier. But how do you develop that network? How do you develop not only a network of people, and I'm not just talking about women leaders at that point, you have to create a network that is going to help your career, people that you're going to go after and talk to. So I help a lot with that. Navigating, network, internal, external, thinking about those types of conversations, When we're talking to, when I talk to people, I'm like, what do you want to do? What fills your cup, right? Or whatever analogy you want to say. But that's one of the first questions as we get into, I've heard a little bit about their career and they're saying, well, you know, I want the next big job. I'm like, okay, well, what do you really want? And 
If you can't articulate a little bit about what you want, it's really hard to find that next career. So then you say, okay, what makes you happy? What fills your cup every single day? Is it talking to people? Is it being out in the market? Is it working on a big gritty project that just turns you on by ripping things apart and refixing it? You have to figure out what makes you tick. Mm -hmm. And then if that's all that you've been working on, then I want to challenge them to either lateral into something that's going to make them uncomfortable because that's where your career really starts to grow. Mm -hmm. So those are a couple of things that I look at when I'm thinking about these things. And just because you don't like it doesn't make it mean it's not going to be good for you because it is going to actually make you better in the long run. Hey, I've been using this saying lately, it's find comfort in the uncomfortable. Yep. So, um, I joined Gallagher in 2021 and I was recruited to join by my bot, my current boss, who's also a, was a friend prior to that. And I've always had really strict boundaries professionally, um, with most people. And what I mean by that is like, you know, I'm not going out to the bar with my colleagues. I'm not, we don't travel together personally, that kind of thing. And when I came to Gallagher, my leader is very much like that. She's like, I want us to spend time together. And this is how we build team camaraderie. And this is how we get to know each other. And I'm like, yeah, I don't need that. I'm an individual contributor. This is what you hired me to do. That's what I'm going to do. But she saw more than that in me, more than I even saw in myself. And she challenged me and it was uncomfortable. And last year, I would say, you know, sometimes it takes Kara Kirsch a little while because I'm a bit hard headed. Um, <laughs> so I hit my head against the wall enough and then I'm like, damn, this hurts. Like, is there a better way? And so finally, I started to think about her in a different way. And I was annoyed by by the sort of rah, rah, sis, boom, bah, because that's not who I am. But sort of it is. And so as I started to think about her, I thought, why am I loathing this so much when in fact, this is her jam and I talk about letting others live in their jam, just like I want others to see me and be like, she's in her jam. That's her jam. And so, um, it was uncomfortable for me to get there. But at this point, I feel this sense of appreciation for her challenging me to, be more human because I think as women, we don't want to be vulnerable because we believe that it's a weakness. At least I did. And so now I try to be more vulnerable. So I'll tell you a story. I get to work with four of our associate producers, so they don't report to me, but I get to work with a mentor, teach the business, et cetera, teach them all the Allison Richards things that I learned. And I was on, had some windshield time with one of them this week and we were talking and I said, I'd like to talk about the two deals we didn't get last year. And he said, okay. And I'm like, we didn't get them because my ego got in the way. I've had a lot of time to think about it and that's why we didn't get them. And he's like, what? You know, this is a kid, my son practically. And I said, I'd like to do you to do me a favor. And he said, what? And I said, the next time that we get close and you're feeling my ego, because I know you felt it, I want you to pause me gently because I'm sensitive. Okay. I do know what the hell I'm talking about when it comes to what I'm talking about, but sometimes I'm like a freight train. And I said, I want you to challenge me, but I want you to do it gently. Can you do that? 
And he's like, yeah. And I said, are you afraid to do that? Do you think I'll come unleashed? And he's like, no, I can do that. And I was scared to say that about my ego because there's a fine line between confidence and arrogance. Yep. But it was because I believed that the deal was done that I didn't get it. I didn't listen. And the more I do that now, the more I'll be able to help the people that I want to help. Not the more I'll sell, not the more money I'll make, the more I'll be able to help the people who need my help. 100%. Uh, you know, that is a great story. And you brought an interesting concept into the 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 vulnerability part for any of us is it's almost the reverse in the sense that we've been told not to do that because it shows weakness, right? But vulnerability as a leader also shows confidence. It shows comfort. It allows your team to realize that you're, you're basically walking alongside them as well, right? In the sense of the, the comfort in their shoes. And I think that is, is powerful in itself, but you, you touched on listening. And I think listening as a leader as is one of the hardest things to do because most people are coming to you for, you know, help me with this, help me with that. Right. And I, one of the things that I've added, um, over the years is not only the listening skill, but asking the question uh, almost three times. So, so why, you know, tell me more. And because if you can get it to three times when you're having that conversation with an individual who's bringing something and you're really listening, you're listening then to understand. You're not listening to solve. You're not listening to tell your story, right? Which a lot of us do. I mean, think about it. Somebody comes and says, hey, you know, I just had this great vacation. I was in with the family and the Caicos and this is what happened. And in your mind, even though you're listening, you're, you're basically getting ready to say, hey, I'm gonna tell them about my vacation and what happened here and do this, right? So am I listening to understand what really happened in that? No, I'm listening to tell them exactly what I wanted to do. So as leaders, you got to step back from that and say, I need to also ask some questions. So I'm really getting under what that listening tactic is. And it's hard. Believe me, it's hard. And I think the better we all become with that, regardless of where you are in your career path and you're listening, how are you listening to your children? Are you really listening to them to say, hey, underneath all of this, there might be a situation where they need to go talk to someone. Mm -hmm. That's powerful these days because we as parents sometimes don't listen mm -hmm. totally. enough. So totally. I love your story on that. Well, thank you. Um, as we wrap up today, I wanted to ask just a couple of lightning round questions. Mm. Um, you know, first and foremost, I want to remind you of a few things. One is um, just a sincere gratitude for believing in me and pushing me to be excellent. I am forever grateful. And my life was changed because of you. And I'm so, so grateful. I might get teared up a little bit on that one. Me too. Um, secondly is keep being your authentic self, Allison. You bring light and joy and power into this world and don't stop and continue to lead greatness into your team because you have a gift. You're so very special. 
Um, so tell me about your favorite. I think you just dropped the mic there because you're making me tear up now. Right. I just teared up my own self. Um, what's your favorite book right now? Oh my gosh. I'm actually reading, um, jam. I, there's this book and it's, it's about kaleidoscope thinking. Oh, and, uh, it was one I, you know, picked up through walking through the airport, but it is a different way. It was just a reminder of a different way of thinking. I think it's actually, um, Warren Buffett's way or something like that, but it's all around of, you know, the, the premise of it is if you think about it as a kid, you would look at, you know, remember the kaleidoscopes with all the different colors on it. Yep. And we still, we get into a, a point right now where we're thinking, we get latched onto thinking and the concept behind is if you look in that kaleidoscope, you see one color this way and you twist it a little way yeah. and you see a, a different color in a different way. And it's really uh, reminding you that there's different perspectives and different ways of thinking about either problems or situations and reminding you that uh, if you can figure that out, that's how you win. Yeah. So love something it. different. Any, what's your favorite travel spot? Oh my gosh. Um, right now I've been back and forth to London twice. So I'm in, enjoying London right now. Love it. Love it. And how can people find you on social media if they want to reach out to you? Um, my, I'm on, in, I'm, I'm on, um, LinkedIn. So you can find me under Allison Richards, uh, under LinkedIn. Um, I think it is under that Allison underscore L underscore Richards. So you can find me out there on, on LinkedIn. Awesome. Well, thank you for being our guest today. Thank you for being a light in the world. Thank you for being a tremendously successful and effective leader. We need more of you. Keep sharing yourself um, and keep being great. Thank you so much for being with us today. And thank you. A Huda Media Production.